everyone. Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. Did you miss us last week? We missed Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook. Patrick, welcome back. Good to be back, Seth. Uh, I had a great time in nature, away from it all, really disconnected. Uh, and you know what? Really just excited to hear who the Leafs' second round opponent's going to be. Yeah, that's not going to happen. We might want to update you on a couple of things. We have to. So oh. We'll 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 cover that uh, off air. Uh, there was breaking news this week that was of the shocking variety, and there is a public service for gamblers out there: the French Open, which is a heavily gambled uh, uh, event, not just uh, on Bovada Sportsbook, but across the world. It's one of the four majors in tennis, and the top player Naomi Osaka withdrew. And she withdrew with a very heartfelt message that she put out on Twitter, which I saw right away. And immediately uh, my reaction was good for her. Um, This is somebody who's been clearly struggling with something. I don't think it's just the media. Uh, You know, she had been fined for missing a media press conference, but it turns out she has great anxiety about going in front of the media. And we have to respect that. you can argue that athletes get paid a lot of money and she certainly has made a lot of money, but they also have to understand that when things aren't right, things aren't right. And acknowledge that I, I, I give kudos to Naomi Osaka and shame on the media for, for ripping her. hundred percent agree. Uh, someone who, you know, candidly, and I think a lot of us, uh, especially these last 16 months as well, they're, even if you didn't have a mental health issue beforehand, I think the last 16 months has created this additional kind of strain, whether it's you personally worrying about friends, worrying about family, uh, certainly older ones, or I mean, whatever the case may be. Uh, and this is something that, I mean, we're, we're all doing our best. We're all trying to have, uh, you know, a level of compassion to the extent that we can control and take care of any aspect of our life. So, I mean, I get it. We get it. Uh, that's and, and, and like you said, uh, Seth couldn't have put it better. Good for her. Kudos to her for having the courage to do that. She could have uh, come out publicly and say it. Right. You're absolutely right. What does that mean if you put money on Osaka to win or someone else to win? Does that void all French Open bets? No. So this is kind of uh, what we did at Pavada for this uh, very specific scenario with uh, Naomi Osaka. And I have to stress that. Uh, this is an exception to established norms, not just with us, but with other sports. But traditionally, once a competition spart, uh, starts, sorry, uh, like the French Open, like, uh, you know, a NASCAR race or anything like that, and a competitor has started and started to compete in these events, uh, all bets do have action. And uh, a competitor like Naomi Osaka, who started the tournament at about 16 to 1, was going into 11 to was at about 11 to one prior to uh, retiring from the tournament or withdrawing from the tournament. Pardon me. Uh, we decided because of the uniqueness of this scenario, uh, me- mental health is seriously no joke. It's something that you know, personally I'm, I'm comfortable saying I've struggled with myself in the past. We made an exception at Pavada to cancel all bets on Naomi Osaka to win the French open. Again, really want to stress that uh, that is an exception to the established rule. Uh, there was a good deal of wagering on her. She's a popular American tennis player. She's excellent. She's, you know, right, you know, clay is maybe like a mid-range kind of surface for her. Uh, but generally speaking, she does have a history of playing up to her opponents, being a real tough person to put away. Uh, she was right there in the thick of it. Again, 11 to 1, only going to the second round. That's someone who's expected to go far and do some damage. And uh, again, because of how many people bet on her and because of the uniqueness of her withdrawing, 
uh, we did decide to refund all bets on her to win the French Open. But what if I bet Serena Williams? Or what if I what if I made another bet? Did my odds just in- increase because, or or were my odds impacted because one of the major challengers is no longer there? Uh, yeah, so generally speaking, you would have saw your odds increase on any one of the other remaining female uh, competitors like Iga Swiatek. Uh, there you go. Arinya Sabalenka. You know, these oh, guys you are, are now on fire right now. You know what? I'm just, uh, I-, I was doing French lessons earlier, but now I'm getting into my Eastern European, uh, my Slavic languages. Uh, but yeah, all, all these, all these uh, competitors, you know, would stop to drop, start to drop between two to one and a little bit lower, you know, six to one down to plus 450. Ashley Barty, that's a much easier one, uh, dropped from nine to one to plus 650. So yeah, you do see this kind of effect where really the only person that, uh, to the extent that well, I want to say negatively affected, you know, we're a big sports book, we're going to be okay. But really, uh, when we do stuff like this, void all these bets for Osaka, you know, it's really only the house that's taking that bit, that bit of a hit. Everyone else uh, that's betting in this competition has now seen uh, the relative expectation, the return on investment, so to speak, uh, improve on their end on any other competitor that they would have had. All right, now let's get to team sports. Uh, first, your NHL, uh, your Toronto Maple Leafs were up three games to one. <laughs> I can't believe I'm <laughs> saying it out loud. Three games to one, and they lost to the hated Montreal Canadiens. Um First of all, you want to lament it. You want, you want to take your take your, your your chance here. You have a podcast that goes worldwide. Say what you want to say, my friend. Well, I begged you off air not to bring it up, but now it's there. You know what? This could be a moment of no, cleansing. You get your and, moment. Uh, I, every every fan, if you if you can't take two minutes of your own show and use it correctly, <laughs> what is the podcast for? Oh wait, there's a lot of odds involved. No, just kidding. <laughs> Well, you know what? I've had some time to think about it and uh, make peace with this. I've got to say, I could not be any prouder of the Toronto Maple Leafs for taking Ontario's stay-at-home order as seriously as they are right now. That is that is the spirit of we are all in this together. You know, COVID is still raging in Canada and the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing their part by staying home now. So, you know what? Hats off to them. Um, the series are, well, well, let me ask you this. Is the fact that now fans are back impacting this in any way, as far as the playing of it have, have numbers increased on betting in the NHL? Because I'll say this, you know, last week when the Boston Bruins took on the New York Islanders and it was a full house, I, I told you, I went to NHL games this year. I went to half a dozen NHL games this year. The most people were ever in the building was 3,400. And three of those games had absolutely zero fans to see that building. I don't care if you're a Bruins fan, a Leafs fan, a San Jose Sharks fan. I don't care. You had to be excited to see that electric crowd. That was so cool. Yeah, and even in Game 7, uh, the Leafs were fortunate uh, enough to invite uh, 550 healthcare workers to that game. So they had, uh, you know, they had that. people and, in and attendance I'm not for one that. game. And uh, you know what? Uh, it is a shame, though, that with 550 healthcare workers in attendance that they could not find one player in blue and white with a pulse. But, uh, okay, we move on. We move on. I, I got that out of my system now. And, uh, yeah, but, but how this impacts the odds, how it impacts the betting on it. Uh, so first on how it impacts the betting on it. We've definitely seen an uptick in betting on these U.S. games because uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the bubble worked last year. It was cool. I get Canada had to do their thing this year and be a little bit more restrictive with uh, fans in attendance. But the fans add so much to these games. And yeah, that Bruins Islanders, 
that was nuts. That was wild. I, I see that stuff. I see the highlights. I'm on the edge of my seat. And that translates into not just, you know, professional or sharp bettors betting this stuff, but it makes it that much more attractive for the recreational player that sees this, sees, you know, tied going to the third period thinking, yeah, I'll throw five, 10 bucks on that. So it does, uh, you know, and, and just purely looking at the numbers week over week as more and more fans have been attending these games. Yeah, we're certainly seeing a lot more dollars come in on that. Now what we're seeing that's kind of interesting for us as well is we now actually have to properly bake in home ice advantage again. Now, don't get me wrong. The last change rule was still in effect. But, uh, and it was funny. I was thinking about this, uh, the game six Leafs Habs game. They only had 2,500 fans there and every single time a Habs player was brushed. Oh, the Montreal oh, faithful with the yeah, boost. And I was just, you know what? That was kind of a return to normal. I mean, you, you look at anybody the wrong way in Montreal and they start calling for a penalty. Agreed. And Agreed. In, the, in, in the past, that would bother me, but uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. And I'm not doing a U.S. versus Canada thing here, but I am saying 17 versus three. You know what I'm saying? 17,000 is something that feels normal. These hybrid little, you know, tiddly crowds, that's not. It, it, look, that's better than zero. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. That's better than zero. But now you have full building. Raleigh was rocking. You know what I'm saying? R Raleigh was great. Denver's going to be rocking. And you're going to start to see it. And as these games get bigger and bigger, as you get deeper in this series and on to the next series, when they reseed this whole thing, wow. It's, it, it's just... The, the arenas are back and it's happening at the right time for the NHL. Don't forget it's June and we're only still in the first round or second round for most. That's right. And we talked about this uh, last time uh, we were on, what were we going to do when there are two Canadian teams left and we have to, you know, realign everything. The Canadian government has just announced that they will allow cross border travel. So the teams can come up here, but you know what's that? They still haven't put together a plan for, okay. If they're going to be playing in front of 18, 19,000 down South, what, what are we gonna, are we going to allow 5,000 maybe in Montreal by that point? Or if it's Winnipeg, are we going to allow anybody at all? You know, we still haven't solved that yet. I, I do think, and I'm, I, I'm a little bit grateful that even if it came at the expense of my Leafs, that Montreal was the first city to say, you know what, we're going to start with 2,500. And maybe by the time, uh, looking at uh, Quebec uh, just recently, you know, we're down to a couple hundred cases a day where single digit death, it's not unreasonable to think that if Montreal were to get past Winnipeg, that they could be full capacity when you're getting at a comp conference finals or a playoff semifinals, wow. whatever we're referring to that round these days. So it's there, but I mean, you know what? You can't have conference. You can't have any games in Canada when you get down to four teams with not full attendance. It's, it's not good. It pales and it really just highlights the disparity and how exciting these games are. Montreal and Toronto had a great series. There was really good hockey played. But absolutely, there was something missing in those games that these games in the U.S., you know, really just brought that up to 100, as the kids say. Yeah, it's definitely something uh, to behold. Uh, similarly, in the NBA, uh, the NBA is in a different spot. Um, you know, their, their playoffs, look, their, uh, their crowds have been... Uh, Unfortunately, more talking about abuse to players, throwing water yeah. bottles and spitting on guys and just disgusting behavior from these crowds. And I I'm sorry, but what gives the NBA a bad name? That kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, that culture. It's not good. It's not good sportsmanship. It's ugly. And, you know, Dan Shaughnessy in the Boston Globe wrote something because how can it be so great for the Bruins and so bad for the Celtics? And it's really 99.9% .9 of the folks are good people. It's one idiot that ruins it for most. 
Yeah. And I, I wonder if part of that is just kind of like the access that an NBA fan has. Like they're so on top of the information, uh, not the information. They're so on top of the play. Uh, they're able, I, I honestly just don't know if so much of this is just pent up enthusiasm after, you know, 15, 16 months of not being able to support the home side. Uh, it, it is a bit bizarre. I'm, I'm grateful that we don't see it in hockey too much. Uh, generally, the only littering we see on the ice is after a hat trick scored. And, uh, you know, that, that's generally approved of. So that's OK. But yeah, I, I mean, the one good thing with the NBA so far, and I think, uh, you know, a bit of a mea culpa, at least on my side, uh, what we were previewing this couple of weeks back is the first round has actually been compelling. The Lakers are being pushed. The Clippers are being pushed. Uh, well, the, Lakers, you know, the Lakers are the underdog. That they, they are after going into uh, their next game. Yeah, they're ever so slight underdog in that series now against the Suns. This is this is really good. You know, this is a first round that actually maybe, maybe, we'll see how it ends up, but maybe the regular season actually mattered a little bit. And maybe the Lakers having to play that extra play in game threw them off a little bit. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. It's more compelling. It's better for us. It's better for us at Bavada if these great teams go on. But, hey, I'd like to see them go on after six or seven game series. We want more games. We want more compelling. Actually, we want back and forth results. Uh, It's been a really good playoffs for us so far. And for all of my poo-pooing of the first round of the playoffs, uh, I'm pretty pleased with what I've seen so far. So far, so good. Let's let's wait and see. And, you know, like I said, all we're asking for is competition. And there has been that. That's. That's been a good thing. So as long as that's the issue, then I think we're in good in a good position, don't you think? Yeah, and I think uh, we are actually starting to wonder a little bit based on what the Clippers have been doing so far. Hey, is Kawhi Leonard even going to be with the Clippers next year? We did, we did post some odds up uh, just in the past couple hours. Is he going to stick with the Clippers? Maybe Miami Heat. We have Miami Heat at 3-1 to one right now. Does he uh, go back to Toronto? 15-1. to one. Personally, I don't think so. Also, because I don't even know if the Raptors will be playing in Toronto next year. And I, I actually do wonder, uh, just as a quick segue, because Canada always struggles to get really decent free agents to play in Canada for a variety of reasons. Uh, you pay much more in income tax. If you're dealing with uh, U.S. players, it takes them out of their comfort zone a little bit. But goodness, the night and day situation between COVID in Canada and the U.S. And my, my segue again is thinking of someone like Austin Matthews in the future. Will an American who grew up in Arizona want to stick around in Canada if things are so night and day? I mean, in the U.S., it really feels like you can do everything right now or almost everything, you know, given, you know, uh, the right documentation, perhaps. But in Canada, it's still really touch and go. And there's this idea that after the summer, it might be more of the same. So I, I do wonder how these Canadian teams will continue to be profitable and strong. Like, you know, a team like Toronto, a team like Montreal, and the NHL, they're, they're going to be all right. They've got enough money. They've got enough. I worry about teams like Winnipeg in the future, who I love that they are back in the NHL. But I do wonder how locally they're going to be able to be supported by either fans, by commercial interests. It's going to be difficult. I, I wouldn't surprise me if in the next five years uh, we see more of an exodus of more teams heading to the U.S. I hope that's not the case, but it would not surprise me. All right. Before we uh, get, put a wrap on this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were hot and heavy for an Aaron Rodgers trade. It was supposed to happen during the NFL draft. That never happened. He's still on the Packers. He's still hosting Jeopardy. What's the story on Aaron Rodgers and where are the latest odds? And what do you think is going to happen? Oh, gosh. So there's there's what I think will happen. And there's, you know, what what I hope would happen. I, I am an Aaron Rodgers fan. I used to be a Green Bay Packers fan when I was a young kid, and a lot of that just had to do with, uh, you know, what will you get on TV in Canada? You either got the Packers, Bills, or Cowboys to some degree 
in that Sunday afternoon time slot. And, and I grew up enjoying the heck out of the Packers and yeah, just the lore behind that team. It was this idea that the city, the town owns uh, the team. I think that's very cool. Or I thought that was very cool. I have seen this Green Bay Packers franchise waste. And I really want to emphasize waste the prime of what I think is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in NFL history. I'm that high on Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's such a bummer that he is very likely to leave the NFL with only one Super Bowl. It pains me that someone like Eli Manning will have two and Aaron Rodgers only one. But hey, that's why there's you know 52 players on the team. Well, yeah, a lot of things have to go right to get all the way. Where we currently stand now in early June, the Green Bay Packers are ever so slight. Minus 220 favorites to retain his services. The Denver Broncos are right there at plus 175. So it's certainly not a, a fait accompli that he'll be returning to the Packers this year. And it is close enough that as a result, we've had to suspend temporarily Green Bay Packers regular season win over under because we, we got to know who's under center before we confidently put that number up. So we, we have regular season win totals up for every other team in the league right now, except for the Green Bay Packers, because again, in a Twitter world, and especially in a world where so many people are still working from home, still incredibly online, uh, if we don't see that in real time, someone else is going to bet us big on that. So, uh, yeah, as it currently stands, ever so slight favorite to return to Green Bay. Uh, Broncos being the most popular next suitor at plus 175. And the Las Vegas Raiders uh, making a little bit of noise at 7-1. to one, But I think if he's not going to the Broncos, he's probably staying put. And then there's Julio Jones. Uh, and, you know, the Falcons are saying they want to trade him. This is why we don't do basketball games, because if you're listening to this on the day it's released or you're listening to it the day after the day after things get outdated. But Julio Jones, I mean, there have been six teams that have called the Falcons on him. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's still pretty wide open right now looking at our odds for uh, Julio Jones next team with the caveat being if traded. So this uh, this prop was set up so that if he stays with the Falcons, all bets would just be voided. Uh, as it currently stands, we currently have the Seahawks as plus 150, ever so slight favorites. Titans at two to one, Patriots three to one, Ravens plus 550. Personally, I think that would be an amazing landing spot for him. I think that's the wide receiver that Lamar Jackson could really lean on and give him that kind of comfort that I don't know that he's had uh, in his time in Baltimore prior to that. But I mean, l- listen, any team that gets Julio Jones is getting a good bump, uh, you know, in their offensive production this year, you know, uh, looking at some of the other teams, 49ers, 10 to one Packers, 11 to one, uh, anywhere he goes, is going to make an impact. But as it currently stands, Seahawks, Titans and Patriots are the top three favorites and getting the most amount of money so far. Uh, whoever gets him is just going to have an embarrassment of riches just to really upgrade that wide receiver core. It's absolutely amazing how this whole thing has you know, morphed. And this is the way the NFL offseason. These are the fun ones. It's not, you know, wondering whether or not the Packers will make a deal. It's not whether or not the, the Falcons will make a deal. A lot of people think that they're going to happen. Let's use the Falcons as the example. Julio Jones wants out. So he mm-hmm. controls the, the, the cards. It's going to be fascinating to see where he goes. And then whatever happens, the, the odds to win that said division change exponentially almost immediately yeah it, it reminds me of when Peyton Manning uh, again speaking of the Broncos had that offseason kind of you know people thought he might be going to the Titans I, I forget the other teams that are in the mix ultimately he settled on the Broncos and uh, players were able to get the Broncos at 50 to 1 at that time because you know they 
didn't really seem to be on the radar of, uh, I, I don't want to name members of the media again, but you know, it, it seemed like he was going to Tennessee uh, more so than anybody else. Denver was maybe a third or fourth choice. Seemed to come out of nowhere. Apparently a conversation with John Elway was enough to swing him. Fortunately, the Broncos didn't do it in his first year there. He had to wait a little bit. But boy, did they get all the way there and give us quite a sweat heading into that Super Bowl. And then fortunately, uh, Seattle, uh, we weren't sweating very long in that game. That was uh, sucks for the fans. Uh, a Super Bowl where a team wins by seven or eight scores, whatever the final margin was. That's pretty good for us at Bovada because people were betting those Broncos, you know, money line pregame, then, you know, plus seven in game, plus 14, plus 21. And the Seahawks covered all that stuff. So, uh, but we did learn a lesson from that. And that is with stuff like that, we have to be incredibly mindful of not just that one market, but Super Bowl odds, divisional odds, uh, the regular season win total, like you said. So, you know, I've said this before, but whether it's Schefter, Mortensen, Rappaport, whoever else, uh, those tweets go directly to my phone. So unfortunately, that means I'm finding out what they had for dinner that night. Uh, but it also means that when Aaron Rodgers does uh, end up wherever he's going or Julio Jones goes wherever he's going, hopefully we'll know just as fast as the players trying to bet into that information. Well, it's certainly going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. And as soon as it happens, go to Bavada Sportsbook and see not just the odds on where either player winds up, but also the, the domino effect of what it can do for the upcoming season. And the upcoming season is slowly approaching, but you know what? Living in the North America, I don't want the, the summer to go away just yet. I'm, I'm, I, let me enjoy the summer. I'm ready for football, but I'm not in the mindset for fall just yet. That's Patrick Morrow. He's back and better than ever. This is our first Bavada at Odds podcast of June 2021. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Good to be back. Thanks, folks.